If you have your Bibles, back in James chapter 4 tonight. I am so excited about this book of maturity. Matter of fact, you could subtitle this whole study is, It's Time to Grow Up. It's time to grow up. I'm going to tell you something, if your children are not growing up, then something's wrong drastically. Amen. And I believe that this um, uh, book has challenged my heart to, um, to uh, be mature in, in uh, testings, in trials. And a lot of people having trials. Uh, one of our regular visitors went out of the auditorium almost in tears this morning and says, please pray a very important doctor's appointment Tuesday for my wife. And I won't go in detail about it, but it's a very, very important doctor's appointment down in Atlanta. And I know he wouldn't mind me asking you to pray for him and his wife. And it's, things catch you off guard and un, unexpectedly. We don't know what uh, tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. Amen. And uh, we're only one vapor away from uh, one puff of smoke. One, one, one uh, life's just a vapor. We're one step away from death. And uh, I thank God for this great number of congregations. We've got several families. The Kitchens, the, the Cofills, the Staley's, the... Um, uh, Hoopers and a lot of people on vacation or out of town, and this is a tremendous attendance for Sunday night when so many families are on vacation, and so I thank God for this great uh, attendance tonight, and I trust they'll all be back by Tuesday night and not miss Brother Kenny Coggin. Brother Kenny Coggin is a powerful young preacher, and he's got a tremendous church called Crossroads Baptist Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia. I had the privilege of preaching there in... Um, Awesome preaching in July or something. I don't know what it was. It wasn't August. And um, tremendous church, huge church. And uh, he'll have to battle traffic. Two years ago, he almost apologized to me. He says, man, I got in the flesh going through that traffic. I was late. I hope I didn't blow it. I said, no, you didn't blow it. Just like Milton Taylor thought he blew it. He didn't blow it. He, the wind of God blew by us and touched our hearts. And sometimes when a preacher thinks he's failed, that's when he seceded. Because it's not the... It's not the response, but it's the power of God in our hearts. And this tonight, I want to back up, and I, for some reason, I, I've never done this. Well, I, hadn't, I have done it, but I, I don't skip around when I'm doing James. But the Lord impressed me to um, preach that message out of 13 through 17 on the world's greatest sin, and that's leaving Christ out of your life. And that life's so fragile and so, so brief. Only what's done for Christ will last. What a waste of time it is living in the flesh with self-sufficiency. That's the whole man. For some reason, God wanted me to preach it this morning because he knew that somebody was going to be there this morning that's not going to be here tonight that needed the message. Now, if you miss this morning, you need it anyway. You listen later on, amen? Because all of us are not getting any younger. And none of us can deny that we're in the last days. The Lord's coming soon. I mean, I, I'm amazed how much terror is sweeping Europe. And it's probably going to come our way. And we need to pray in these last days, this day of evil passion and this cults. There'll be many false prophets in the last days. We're here. There'll be iniquity abounding. Uh, the love of many shall wax cold and there'll be unnatural affections. And that's what's happening. False priests and false gods and false cults. They're rampant. Doug Gap Road's full of it. And it's not baloney either. It's cultism. It's demonic. It's wicked. And so we need to pray that we would not be a friend to that. And so I want to preach just a few minutes on being a, uh, on the friendship 
to the world. A friendship to the world. Look at verse 4. Let's stand on to the Word of God. Ye adulterers and adulteress. Chapter 4, verse 4. Know ye not that the friendship of the world, the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now how clear can that be? And how pungent is this preacher preaching that we grow up? Look at verse 5. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusts is the envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. One of my favorite verses in James, draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Um, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy who art thou that judgest another. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful challenge to be devoted to God. Lord, we pledge allegiance to the Lamb tonight. God, we want to come out from among them, and we don't want to be worldly. We don't want to worship like the world worships. We don't want to uh, be entangled by the fares of this life, that we might be a good soldier that pleases you in these last days. And so, dear God, this is a subject that's not preached on much because nobody wants to hear it. But I thank God that these folks come back because they want to hear the Word of God. And so, Lord, help us to be mature Christians. And that means we don't play footsie with the world, that we don't uh, compromise, and that we don't uh, play around with the great sacred trust of being your child, your steward, your servant, and your witness in these last days. So Lord, please help us as we preach this passage of Scripture on not being a friend to the world. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the first reason that you should not be a friend to the world is it'll defile you. The Bible says in verses 1 through 5 that you fight, you lust, you have not because you ask not, then you pray and you ask amiss and try to consume it upon your lust. Then he, can, then he just crescendos the whole thought about how the world will defile you and says, you adulterers and adulteress, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Now friend, I want to tell you something. I'm glad I'm on the winning side and I'm glad the Lord has birthed me into the family of God and I'm his child. I'm to be his servant. I am to be his soldier. We need to pray for all our soldiers. It's a difficult time to serve in the armed forces. I pray for Billy and pray for the tragedy that happened in his uh, uh, platoon. And folks, I want to tell you something. There is a day and age we live in where there's defilement. Uh, first of all, I want you to notice the strife from the defilement. Verse 1 says there's arguing and there's, there's fighting. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you're, if you're living for the world, you're pulled in two directions. 
You don't belong to this world. You belong to heaven. You're a pilgrim passing through. But more important than that, you're an ambassador. You are called to act like you're from another country and that you represent another king. I don't represent Trump. I represent Jesus. Amen. I don't represent Dalton, Georgia, even though I do in in the United States of America, but I represent the country called heaven because God has called me to do a job of representation and reconciliation and spreading the gospel in these last days. But I want to say this. You'll never be effective if you're worldly. You'll never be effective if you jump in the well and try to uh, help somebody recover from drowning by joining them. Folks, we need to take the high road. and We need to uh, take the holy highway of God. And we need to be different. We need to be distinctive. Uh, Tennessee Temple, when it existed, used to have a, and Kyle, we're going to pray for we're going back to Pensacola Senior this year, flying out Tuesday. Proud of him. But I want to tell you this, friend. Tennessee Temple used to have this uh, 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 logo and this uh, theme. Brother Bobby, you was part of it. A distinctively Christian college. Amen? And I want to tell you something. If you take Christ out of Christianity, all you got is an entity. And if you take the distinctiveness out of it, all you've got is a bunch of worldly enemies of God. Carnal, indifferent, adulterers and adulterers spiritually. Now I didn't say that, but I repeated it because James says, says, is saying grow up. If we're going to grow up, we can't play church. We need to pray. If we're going to grow up, we can't be like the world. And folks, I'll tell you what, I think it is so sad that the church today thinks they've got to be worldly to grow. That's called pragmatism. I'll do anything I can to get a crowd. Well, folks, I want to tell you something. There was 50, oh, there wasn't that many. There's probably about 20,000 people at the Braves game today. I wouldn't sit out that heat. Would you? One eight to one, that's pretty good. My wife listened to it on the way home from reunion. But I want to tell you this, friend. I wouldn't say they're spiritual because they had 20,000 and we got 200. Amen? Just because there's a big crowd don't make it spiritual. But I'll tell you what makes it spiritual. When you please God and when you welcome His presence and you live your life inviting His name to be magnified through your little name. Amen? Evil passions, desires controlled by the flesh and Satan become evil and caustic and uh, vengeful. And and folks, you'll you'll not even like yourself much like like anybody else. You can't get along with yourself when you're not right with God. You look in the mirror and stick your tongue out at yourself. Man, I want to tell you something. The happiest moment I have is knowing when I please God. The happiest moment I have is when I know I represent God and God used me. The happiest moment. You can have your little old sinful habits. You can have your little old sinful games. And you can have your little old sinful relationships because none of them satisfy. Amen? None of them. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's image to God. It's evil passions within us, striving to be like the world and accepted by the world. Folks, this is not your world, and this is not your home. You're just passing through, and God's called you to make a mark and be instinctively Christian. Don't straddle the fence. It's an uncomfortable position. And you'll always fall backwards. Say amen. Number two, I see the seeking of that defilement. Look at verse 2. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. The right way to pursue things is to ask God. And ask Him on praying grounds. And folks, He's not 
so hard-pressed to answer your prayers if you want Him to finance your sin. Amen? I gave the illustration a couple of Sundays ago about the lady that got married wanted his wanted the husband to finance the affair going down to Atlanta. Now, folks, any husband that would do that is capital C-R-A-Z-Y, crazy. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you think God's going to finance your sin, you got another thought coming. If you think God's going to finance your life, you got another thought coming. Lust doesn't get the job done. The pride of life does not get the job done. And the lust of the eyes uh, was the reason that Adam and Eve fell, and that's the reason you'll fall. We need to come out from among them. Evil passions are never satisfied. Can somebody say amen? Anybody done that? Hey, listen. You get drunk, the next morning you're not satisfied. Say amen. My, my mama used to cry a river of tears the next morning when the check was gone and the money was gone and there was no food on the table. And I cried with her. And folks, I'll tell you what, the embarrassment of it. One time my daddy came home and had the mailbox in his little Comet station wagon of a neighbor in his windshield. And it looked kind of humorous, but it wasn't humorous to me because all the neighbors came by and said, there's the town drunk. And they came out there and mocked him. He was so drunk he couldn't get out of the car. And I went out there and I said, if, y'all, if you, you boys don't clear out and get off this yard, I'm going to whip every one of you and then I'll, dra- I'll take my daddy and bring him in the house. I was a mean, mad, critical, cynical kid because of sin in my home. I didn't want to be that way. But I'll tell you, they're going to make fun of my daddy if he was dog drunk. I was rough enough on him. They didn't need to try it. Amen. I want to tell you something. We wanted the Lord when we stopped preaching at him and started loving him. Amen. Went to a revival and they said, how do you win your loved ones? Love them to death. Amen. Thank God Christ loved us to death. He went to the cross of Calvary. So folks, all to Jesus, I surrender is not just a pretty song. It should be a reality in your life. Number three, the supplications about defilement. Evil lusts do not ask for things God wants. Look at verse uh, uh, 3. You asked and received not because you asked amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Worldly praying. Dear God, give me a Mercedes so I can stay up with the Gregories. That's worldly praying. <laughs> He's so tired he didn't even hear that joke. Amen, but listen. Lord, give me, uh, give me a big house so I can stay up with the Joneses. Don't worry, the Joneses will refinance and get ahead. Amen. You never can stay up with the Joneses. Amen. No, no uh, intention, Joneses, that are here. But folks, listen, we, we, we need to delight ourselves in the Lord. And our desires should be pure. And folks, we ought to ask according to His will. Look at Psalms 37, verse 4, please. Psalms 37, verse 4. Here's a promise in your praying. This is how to just outline your praying in one simple thought. Psalms 37, verse 4, please. I'll try to be brief. I've never seen, I'm glad you're here, but all of you look tired. Amen. Take a nap on Sunday afternoon. Amen. That's a good thing to do. Psalms 37, verse 4. I'll be there in a minute. The Bible says this. I like verse chapter 42. Amen. I'm just thumbing through here and seeing all kinds of good verses. Verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way into the Lord. Turn also, uh, also in Him. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Listen to that, friend. Commitment, delight comes before the desires of your heart being pure, and then God answering prayer. You can have the confidence that God will answer your prayer if it's according to His will. But I want to tell you something, friend. If you're not careful, you will pray 
a cafeteria-style prayer, Lord, give me, give me, give me, and this is what I want, and I want it now. And I'd like it free, if you don't mind. That's lustful praying. We need to pray for God's glory. And then I see the society of defilement. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, chapter 4. It says, Ye adulterers and adulterous, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. The friendship of the world. Now, folks, that world doesn't mean that you're a friend of nature. All of us is excited about the sun. And I want to tell you something. Somebody's made a whole lot of money on some little glasses. Amen? Those things are high. $25 are going for in Atlanta. Somebody told me you can put a hole in a cereal box, put tinfoil on the bottom of it, and you can, it just works just as good. But I could not empty enough cereal trying that. I couldn't figure it out. Amen? But anyway... <laughs> Callow's cornflakes all over the floor. Amen. But anyway, listen. It'd be cheaper to buy the $8 pair of glasses. Folks, the crowd of the bad companies found in verse 4. Adulterers and adulteress. I want to tell you something. Adulterer and adulteress is a miserable person. They're unfaithful. They're disloyal. They broke a, a, a divine covenant. And folks, the Bible calls us that if we are friends to the world. I mean, James, are you that blunt? Yes, he's that blunt. He's an independent Baptist. <laughs> I mean, straight down the line. Bunch of adulterers and adulteress because uh, you're friends with the world. That's spiritually speaking. Folks, the world stands for not that nature that we're all looking forward to seeing the sun tomorrow. But it's the, it stands for unholy, contrary system. You know, the world's anti-Christ. You don't believe it? We're, post, we're post-Christian America. Hey, it used to be decent and orderly for somebody to mention God. Now they want to, uh, you mention that, it's going to cause a riot. Robert E. Lee, nothing. They've been taking down monuments of God all over the, uh, all over the nation for years. I mean, the Ten Commandments ripped out of judges' offices. The Bible taken out of the school. Prayer outlawed out of the school. Hey, friend, it's been going on a long time. Uh, don't worry about Robert E. Lee. He's in heaven. He's okay. Amen. And I'm not still fighting the war. And I ain't going to say too much like our president did. But I'm going to say this, friend. Thank God, friend. I don't think a riot ought to rule in our country. Amen. That's all I'm going to say. Because sometimes that can be fleshly. Say amen. I believe history should not be erased. I believe we ought to learn from history. Come on, history professor. Brother Derek actually likes history. Amen. I never liked it. I liked geography because it was easier. But I'll tell you this, friend, you can learn some lessons, and we can learn some lessons. As good old rednecks in North Georgia, we can learn some lessons. Everybody, God loves everybody. Everybody's equal. Amen? Amen? Come on now. Good night. I better do some more preaching on that, praise you. But anyway, <laughs> we better start a Confederate war around here. Amen? But folks, it's not mob rule in, in America. It ought to be God rule. But you start kicking out the Ten Commandments and you start kicking out the Bible, you're going to have not theocracy, you're going to have uh, chaos and riots and lust and, and fear and violence. That's what we're going through. Amen? Offended one, she's leaving. But anyway, listen, friendship <laughs> comes from the world. It means, uh, it means uh, that we ought to be uh, not in love with the world. I was thinking about this word friendship. You know what a friend is? A friend always has time for you. Amen? And I want to tell you something. If you're a friend of the world, you always have time for the world. 
You might not have time for church, and you might not have time to read your Bible, and you might not have time to pray, but boy, somebody gives you free tickets to the Braves game, count me in, praise God. I'll take a few free tickets to a high school ball game, praise the Lord, amen. But I ain't gonna put it before God. Come on. Oh, I'm telling you something, the Roman Empire fell. You want to talk, talk about history? I ain't going to erase that, but they don't even exist anymore. The reason is they, they, they um, kicked God out and they worshiped themselves and they worshiped sports. That's exactly what the Roman Empire did. And marriages started splitting up. And that is the ruination of every country. Friendship comes from the word that means love, affection. When I think about being a friend, I think about sharing burdens. Now, if you're a friend of the world, you share your burdens with all kinds of worldly people. But I want to tell you something, those worldly people will not give you advice. You know what they'll say? Well, I'd leave him. Bum. I mean, I'm so happy. I, I, I left my marriage, and they're lying. They're not happy. Uh, thank God you can rebuild your life by God's grace, but I want to tell you something, you should never brag on it. Come on, say amen. All you that's been through the trauma of divorce, don't look at me cross-sided. You know, and you know that you're teaching your children right if you teach them, hey, listen, I'm sorry we had to go through that. I'm sorry I put you through it. But I want to tell you something, friend. We can learn from it. And we can rebuild our life. And we're no second-class saint in this place because you've been through some mistakes and traumas. Peter made a pretty bad mistake, but God used him. Say amen. He cussed and denied Jesus. And then, you know, I think about being a friend... To the world, I think about a friend depends on a friend. Come on. And I want to tell you something. You depend on the world, you're depending on the wrong friend. The world's going to let you down every time, and it'll promise you everything and not deliver anything. It'll show you the front yard, but never show you the backyard of sin. Hey, it'll promise you a Cadillac, and you'll end up hitchhiking. It'll promise you a tuxedo, and you'll have one of those striped outfits. Brother, they're orange now, aren't they? The University of Tennessee graduates over there. No, no. No, let <laughs> Woo! We just started a split. But anyway, listen. Listen. Listen to me. Listen to me. The world promised you a lot of things, but never delivers. Because it's anti-Christ. It's post-Christian era. Say amen. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's a system set against God. Right? in the streets if you want to, but I'm going to tell you something. You shake your little fist at God, America, and you're in trouble. And folks, Christians shake their fist at God and say, I'll do what I want to. I'll date who I want to. I'll marry who I want to. I'll raise my kids the way they want to. Oh boy, that's a mistake. And You'll pay. So a friend has time, a friend shares burden, a friend's dependent, but I'll tell you what a real friend is. A real friend's trustable. Amen? You can even share things with him. He won't blab it all over the daily citizen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or tell everybody in the church. A friend has confidence. And a friend is trustable. And let me just say this, friend. You can't trust the world. You can't trust this system. If your only hope's in politics, you're in trouble. Amen? I thank God for the space of grace we got. I thank God for it. Amen. And you know I'm conservative and I want to be biblical and I want to have anybody that will go with the Bible. No matter what they say. But, but I want to tell you something, friend. We've got to have wisdom in high places. But I ain't dependent upon the White House for my sanity. 
or my peace or my prosperity. I'm looking to God. Because I belong to Him. And I'm passing through. Say amen. Some people ain't got over the election yet. They're still mad. Don't get mad. Just pray. And don't, don't threaten assassination. Pray. Don't pull the monuments down. Andrew Jackson's going next down here in Dalton, I'm sure. Pray. Pray. Depend upon God. Don't be part of the world's movement. A friend, a friend, trust, and it's trustable. But I want to tell you something. The world, as your friend, is not trustable. You marry a whirling, and you can't trust him. Girls, you listen to me, and you listen to me straight. If you marry some ungodly person because he's attracted to your body and you're attracted to his, all you've got is the flesh. I'm preaching now. We ought to be separated in our courting. We ought to be separated in our dating. We ought to be separated on our job. We ought to be separated in our worship. Folks, call, because the reason is I see the contempt in this bad company. In verse 4 it says, the last phrase said, it's enmity with God Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. I didn't write that. The Holy Spirit let Brother James write that. And folks, it says if you are a friendly, worldly Christian, you are an enemy of God. Why? Because the Word of God says it. But first of all, James chapter 1, verse 27 says you're spotted with the world. And then the Bible says in James 4, 4, you be a friend of the world. Then the Bible says in 1 John 2, 15, you love the world. And then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 32. Am I going too fast? Some of y'all writing shorthand. Your pencil's smoking. Praise God. It's the only time it ought to smoke is when it's writing so quick you can't see it. But 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-two 32 says you're condemned with the world. Like Lot. He didn't lose his salvation. The Bible proves that in 1 Peter. He was vexed by their conversation, their lifestyle. But he lost his testimony. And when you lose your testimony, you lose your children and you lose your wife, and you lose your sanity, and you lose your effectiveness, and you lose the peace, and there's a strife against God. And let me say this, friend, if you're fighting God, you're going to lose. And then I see the Scripture exposes this defilement. Let me, let me go to a positive note here. It says, but, think, but you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. In other words, the Spirit of God desires strongly that you crown him Lord. And I want to tell you the good definition of separation of the world. You just love God so much. You just love God so much that you don't commit spiritual adultery. You know the greatest deterrent of an affair happening to your husband? Keep the water fresh at home. Proverbs chapter 5. And keep the love affair at home. And keep it fresh and happy and thrilling and praise God, comb your hair once in a while if you got any. Brush your teeth once a week if you got any. And say a few words that edify and build up if you got any sense. Amen? Or if you don't, you're going to starve. That's all I'm going to say. Amen? I was sorry cooking. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It'll be a long time before she cooks again. Amen? Well, we had burnt offerings again this morning, boys. Well, welcome to Hardy's, Bozo. That's where you're going to live. Amen? <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, friend, we need to love, have a love relationship with God, and we ought to love God so much that we don't love the world. 
James calls it adultery if you do. But then I want to turn to a positive note in closing in the next six minutes. Not that I'm going to quit in six minutes, but it's a good thought. I want you to see the devotion. You got defilement, but now we we'll see devotion. I love the Bible because it just rips sin and rips God and calls it like it is, but then gives you hope to live for God. It's painting the pathway out of a dark forest. Say amen. First of all, I see in verse 6, it says, but. I love conjunctions in the Bible. That means, hey, I'm, I, I painted it dark. Man, Brother James, you let it rip that, this, this, this morning, tonight. You let it rip. Called worldliness, adultery, and adulterous. That's, that's straight. Called us enemies of God. Good night. Woo! The Holy Spirit wants us to love God. And then it says, but he giveth more grace. Folks, I want to tell you something. I'm going to say it clearly. The worst day in the will of God is better than the best day out of the will of God. Well, I'm having fun, and I love life, and I'm rich, and I'm this, and I'm that. I'm going to tell you something. Most of the time, they're shooting a bull. They're not right with God. They're not happy. They're not right with God. They're not peaceful. If they're all right with God, they can't even get along with their dog. Say amen. Dog don't even like them. Dog runs when he comes home. Praise God, he forgets to feed them four days. I'm telling you, friend, we ought not strive and lust and be discontent. We ought to realize God gives more grace. Aren't you glad you're saved? More grace, more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the who? Proud. And give us grace to the humble. Now, James is just pinning it right down to the source. I. Middle letter of sin is I. The middle letter of pride is I. I. You know, our biggest problem is you and me when it comes to serving God. We want what we want, and we want it now. And folks, I want to tell you something. It'll eat you alive. Pride is not devotion to God. Devotion to God involves humility. Grace is the most wonderful possession that we have on this earth. He giveth more grace. He resists the prayer, proud. And he giveth grace unto who? The humble. I want to tell you where it starts. In a personal devotion to God. Every day you ought to get up and say, Lord, thank you for the two hours of sleep you gave me out of eight. Thank you, dear God, I could be a nervous wreck this morning. Thank you, Lord, I could not take one step if it wasn't for you. Thank you, Lord, that I got enough sense to find the job and keep the job when I get there. Amen. But we just sort of take it for granted. And we get up prideful and say, well, bless God, I'm, I, I earned this job. I'm God's gift to the job, matter of fact. Hallelujah. And I'm here by the grace, not the grace of God, but the grace of me. And folks, that's wicked self-sufficiency that I preached on this morning. We need to resist being proud, but we need to submit to God. Look at verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Now ladies, I want to say something about submission. It does not put you in slavery to your men of God. It frees you. And I want to tell you something. If you try to be your, your man's conscious, he'll answer to you and not to God. And that's sad. Folks, you need to stay out of the way and let God work on that old boy. If he ain't what he ought to be and he's abusing his leadership, 
I'll tell you what, God knows how to knock him down. And you don't have to knock him down with a frying pan or a broom. God can do it. And God will bless you if you'll just stay under the umbrella of protection and say, God, I'm here. I'm not less than him, but you called me to be submissive to him. And folks, I'm going to tell you what submission will do. It'll set you free. It's, you submit yourself, therefore, to God. What happens? You resist the devil. And what happens? He will what? Flee from you. I wish Andrew was here. He's on vacation. He deserves one. But he tried to pull me off that platform last Sunday night. I didn't tell him to do anything. I just said, hold the rope. Man, he started pulling. He's watching right now, probably. It was a good illustration, I thought. But you know what I should have done? Instead of trying to hold on that rope, I should have come back here to Jesus and just knelt down and just not even touch the rope and let him handle the devil. That's submission. Folks, there is no resistance until there's submission. There is no victory in your flesh. There's victory in the spirit of grace. There's that verse. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Number one, divine order. Resist the devil. And what's it say he'll do? He will flee from you. Most people say, I just wish he'd leave me alone. I just wish he wouldn't torment me. I wish he wouldn't drive me crazy. Now, I want to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says you submit to God, he will flee. He can't handle God in you. He will run. You will put the devil on the run. You let the Lord answer the door and look at the expression on the devil's face. He'll say, uh-oh, I knocked on the wrong door. Jesus lives here. Submit, resist, and he'll flee. So there's submission in devotion. There's support for that devotion. God's grace. And then there's separation again in that devotion. Look at verse 7. It says, and you'll resist the devil. That means stand against. And today there's a lot of compromise with evil. And folks, I want to tell you something. We're not politicians around here. We're God's people. And we're not to play politics in the house of God. We're not to vote on what's right and what's wrong. We need to vote on God's right and let's follow Him and it's wrong not to follow Him. I'm not saying this is a dictatorship. It's a theocracy, not a democracy. God's in charge. And if God's not in charge, then you've got the wrong spiritual leader and you ought to vote Him out. 75% will do it, even though I started this church. But I want to tell you something, friend. Something's wrong when daddy's not submitting to God. You'll never be a godly leader until you're a godly follower. All these people want to quote the Bible out of context and bless God, remind everybody in the house that you're the head of the house. Woman, don't you know I'm the head over you? If you have to say that, you're in trouble. She ought to know that you're the loving leader that God's blessed her with and gladly submit to you. Well, say so she's got a problem. That's not your problem. That's God's problem. He'll take care of her. And He'll take care of you if you're not a good leader. Let me close by saying this. There's a seeking in that devotion, that there's a sanctification in that devotion, because verse 8 through 10 is beautiful. And I'll close. It says, draw nigh to God. How many love this verse? Amen. Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. <laughs> Folks, I want to tell you something. It's your move. You're saved. Now what you need to do is purify yourself. This is called sanctification. A lot of people just stop with salvation. 
The Bible says that we ought to cleanse our hands. Look at it. Look at it real quick. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. What a blessing to walk with God. To walk on the higher ground. So many people want to play footsies with the world. They want to be half in, half out, straddle the fence, be popular in the, to the world and to Jesus. It won't happen. If you're popular with Jesus, you won't be popular with the world. But some people live for that. That's why these dear teenagers are so pressured by their peers. It's called peer pressure. And I want to tell you, some of you adults are just as bad. Oh, I've got to be accepted by the fellow workers. and They want to go drink on their little parties Get their bud stupid out in their little cafeteria. I got to go along with it. No, you don't. Oh, friend, listen. There's a sanctification in, in devotion. Yes, you love God, but if you love God, you'll cleanse your hands. Folks, hands speak of action. It says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Don't be offended when somebody calls you a sinner. You're a sinner saved by grace. You ought to be a sinner being saved by grace and be sanctified. Hey, friend, and then it says your hearts. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. This speaks of affections. God wants you to sincerely be a f- not double-minded, but single-minded and sincere-minded and have a fellowship with God that demands loyal, loving thoughts. As a man thinketh in his heart. Think on the things that are pure and lovely. That's Jesus. You've got to have the right kind of music. Nobody likes me to preach against your country music and your rock and roll music. Nobody likes it. You ought to see the frowns I get when I start hitting that stuff. But folks, I want to tell you something. If it makes you more like God, go ahead and listen to it. But it doesn't. Because it doesn't suggest that you ride off in the sunset on a pony towards heaven. It says you, you take somebody else's wife and and, you, and you're, you're cool if you're sinful, and, and it promotes wickedness and, and adultery and unfaithfulness, and you sit there and say, oh, I just love him, oh, you know, the way he wears that cowboy hat, you know, and, or the way, you know, the way she jumps up and down and, and sings those rock and roll songs. I just love him. Why do you love him? Why don't you love him? And ask God what he thinks about it. Say amen. And if, hey, if those lyrics are godly, then take them down and pray them to Jesus next time you get in the closet. You wouldn't go in there with a... I guarantee you, half the lyrics are vulgar. Now, I'm talking about garbage in, garbage out, as a man thinks so easy. And I'm just saying this, we're going to grow up. we got to grow out of this worldly stuff that feeds our minds, pollutes our mind, and weakens our defense against Satan, as a man thinks. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the Isaiah 26 verse 4 because I trusted in him. But we can't even concentrate because of the noise of this world. But what you want to do is you want to come to church, sit in the pew and amen, and then go back out and turn the, the stuff on and be the same Christian. I'm going to tell you what that is. That's immature. That's, that's lustful. There's some things you've got to get a higher taste for. Got to get some appetite for. I'm trying to help you tonight because James is point blunt 30. He's saying, 
purify your hands, but you're never going to purify your actions until you purify your affections. And then it says there ought to be some, not only your hearts or your hands, but there ought to be some heaviness. Be afflicted, mourn, weep, because folks, joy is going to come in the morning. The happiest person on this earth is those that draw nigh to God and found out God has drawn nigh to them. And there's less space between you and God for the devil to get in between. The most miserable person is a guy that's independent, fundamentally away from God and said, I'm going to live like I want to. I'm going to act like I want to. I'm going to think like I want to. I'm going to dress like I want to. I'm going to listen like I want to. I'm going to do what my appetites say. You are miserable because the devil's having a heyday in all your life. That's what the Bible says. Folks, listen. James is saying it's time to grow up. Divine blessings do not come to the arrogant, but devotion comes by loyalty, submission, and faithfulness to God. And draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. And then it goes on to say, be afflicted and mourn. Weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. Let your joy be to heaven. It's not always fun. But I love verse 10. I'll close with this. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Folks, that's not lift you up in pride. That's lift you up to be fruitful. Tomato plants on the ground do not produce fruit. They produce rotten fruit. Somebody needs to lift them up. Stake them up. I love I love good tomatoes. Never seen any of them come out of the ground. That's just no tending to, no, no, no lifting up. Folks, when he says he'll lift you up, that's fruitfulness. Amen? And I'll say this, the higher ground, the holy ground, is the happy ground. And you've never been happy in sin a day in your life, and you know it. You might for a season, but when it comes to reaping, and when it comes payday someday, and when it comes, you reaping the whirlwind because you sold to the wind. You will be most miserable. And you'll say, I've got to get off this low gutter. And praise God, you humble yourself. And God said, I'll lift you up. <laughs> and you're not holier than thou. You just realize he is holier than thou. And your life is with him. Drawn out of God, he'll draw out of you. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. It's powerful. It's, it's, it's demanding. But it's also delightful. Because, dear God, it tells us that you'll be with the humble. And, God, you won't be with the fence straddler. You won't be with us if we got one, world, one foot in the world, one foot in the church. We got one ear in the hymn book, and we got one ear in the filth of the world. We got one eye on Jesus and we got one eye on the pornography and we got one eye on the ungodliness. We got one eye on the lustful girl at school and the lustful boy. God help us. Help us to come out from among them and not be holier than thou. God, just let us be holy like thou. And God, you said you'd make us happy. And that you'd handle the devil for us. Thank you, Lord, for that. I can't handle him. And God, that you would get the glory. 
and that we would be your ambassadors. And that you wouldn't call us adulterers or adulteress, spiritually speaking, but you'd call us ambassadors, servants, soldiers, children of God, victorious, a friend of God. God, increase our faith. It's going to take a lot of faith to do this because our flesh is already screaming, don't do it, don't listen. It's too much fun, too much excitement. God, help us. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And Lord, thank you that you besought us to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. With every head bowed,